I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It's Verdict with Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. Senator, nice to chat with you today. You're on the road. You're now in Florida. We had uh, maybe one of the greatest dinners I think I've ever had last night with some of the most brilliant minds around the table uh, in Nashville after the event in Franklin. Uh, And it was, uh, I think you probably enjoyed that dinner as much as I did because you had Clay Travis, uh, Michael Knows, Ben Shapiro. Uh, I I, I was uh, an honor to be there. You were there and many other brilliant minds talking about some of the most fun topics in politics and they were all revolving around what we're all seeing change very quickly and that is there's a very good chance that not only are we going to grab the house but we could grab the senate and have some really good numbers there as well yeah that's right we had an amazing dinner uh that that went until late in the evening and and i would say the consensus of uh, pretty much everyone around the table is that the momentum is moving significantly in the right direction uh and and i'm more optimistic i think more and more observers are are getting really optimistic that that republicans chances for taking the senate look quite good and we could easily end up with with not just a majority in the house but a large majority in the house and and that uh uh that's good news one of the reasons why i think this is happening center is that i think a lot of the american people especially while they're suffering are tired of being lied to the president came out today with another ridiculous lie here's what he said today the most common price of gas in america is three dollars and 39 cents down from over $5 when I took office. We need to keep making that progress by having energy companies bring down the cost of a gallon of gas that reflects the cost they're paying for a barrel of oil. 
Senator, you and I both know that when he became president of the United States of America, the average price of gas was 239, meaning 50% were paying less than that. On the day that, uh, that he became president, I paid under $2 a gallon where I was. And because I remember looking, wanting to see how quick it was going to go up. This is just a lie that every American knows is not true. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, it, it is a blatant lie. It's obvious. And, and, and it has to be deliberate. Look, e- even in Joe Biden's severely diminished state, he knows he's lying. Gas was not $5 a gallon when he became president. It, it was $2.39 a gallon. That, it, it, this is also an interesting test for every sim- single fake news corporate media outlet that pretends to do fact-checking. If all of them do not immediately fact-check this and call it out as a, it's not kind of a little bit a lie, it's not slightly a lie. He suggested, he no, didn't suggest, he said that gas was more than twice as much as it was when he came in. And he did that because he wants to erase the massive increase in gas prices that has happened because of his policies. And, and what I'm curious, you know, watching him give that speech, you know, I really do stagger to think that that was actually written into his remarks, but it might have been. I, I, I think there's a very it's, good it's, chance. It was so co- it was so concise and coherent. You got to think it was up on the teleprompter. It, he he usually when he ad libs is is more incoherent than that. That was remarkable uh, remarkably coherent. It was just a flat out lie. You you talk about fact checking and and I laugh because you just mentioned how does this not get fact checked? Something so blatant that he and again his exact quote the most the most common price of gas in America uh, is, is three thirty nine down from over five dollars when I took office. There's not a fact checker in the world that could not figure out that was wrong. You just go back and look at the average gas price on the day he was inaugurated, and it's very clear what it, that, that it wasn't over $5 a gallon. Yet, Senator, uh, you went on The View, and you challenged uh, Whoopi Goldberg and others when they acted like Republicans are the ones who are trying to destroy America and domestic terrorists, and everybody that is a conservative is a, the equivalent of a domestic terrorist or al-Qaeda or ISIS with January 6th. And you, you basically brought up the point uh, that Antifa had burnt U.S. cities for a year, and Newsweek has now come out fact-checking you, saying that your claim that Antifa burnt U.S. cities for a year is a flat-out false, which, again, if you live in America, you know that Antifa was going around and attacking police officers and burning down churches and buildings and businesses. Well, I will say this this quote-unquote fact-check is is self-parodying, and, and, and Twitter and the Internet has roasted Newsweek pretty mercilessly for it. Um, look, on The View, which we talked about before, was amazing fun going on with, with hosts who every day spread partisan propaganda. Uh, Whoopi claimed that, that it's only your party that engages in violence. Our party doesn't do that. And, and, and you look, I had to laugh. I, I said, did you miss an entire year of Antifa riots with, with, with cities burning all over the country? So here was Newsweek's fact check. What they said is, well, yes, there were riots. And yes, there were cities that burned. But many of the riots didn't last the entire year, although... They then say, well, many of them did, but not all of them. Not all of the riots lasted the entire year. 
And not all of the riots burned the cities. Sometimes they burned the cities. Sometimes they didn't burn the cities. And then they said, and by the way, Antifa doesn't exist. That, that, that's their end of their fact check. Is they didn't all last more than a year. Not every one of them burned the cities and there's no such thing as Antifa. And every word of that fact check is a lie. It is a deliberate lie. Yes, they did. And, and it was reminiscent, you, you know, you and I both remember uh, when, when CNN had a reporter standing in front of a building that is, is raging with fire, and the chyron underneath the reporter says, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, you know they and, come and burn burn everything down around you, but it's mostly peaceful while you're while they're burning it down. Like that's what this Newsweek fact check was about, and and it's not complicated. Well, and the I, Newsweek I think, fact checker is a partisan warrior. Well, and, and that's I, I what think, they do. And, and I think they just want the headline, right? Oh, well, no, no. Ted Cruz lied on the View. I saw a fact check about that. No one reads down. No one goes back and looks at it. It's just a it's a way, I think, for the left to say, no, no, Ted Cruz lied. I, I know he did because a fact checker told me he did. And I saw the headline where they claim that yep. he lied. So therefore, he's a liar. That, that, that is exactly the game. I think the, the quote unquote fact checkers are today's version of yellow journalism. They deliberately lie and, and they have all sorts of tricks they play. One of the tricks is is the editorial selection, what it is they choose to fact check. It's, it's, it's why I said this Joe Biden statement. I, I don't know if they'll check it or not, but every one of them should. It's, it's, it is a direct falsehood by the president of the United States on the number one issue in the polls nationally for an election less than two weeks away. We'll see if they actually choose to fact check it. So what they choose to fact check is one of the ways they skew it, but they, they believe that left-wing opinion is a fact. And the irony, actually, we've had some fun with them online. Newsweek has actually written multiple stories in the past about Antifa. So their final kind of killer reason why what I said wasn't true is they say Antifa doesn't exist, and I responded with multiple Newsweek stories about Antifa, Antifa cells, plotting violence, meeting, and like, like from their own pages. But truth doesn't matter because they're not even editorialists. They are liars. It's what they do, and they try to package it up as, as claiming it, 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 it's some sort of fact. Senator, one thing that I know that you've really focused on, especially if Republicans get back control of the Senate, is reigning in big tech. And we had some big news that happened. Not only did Elon Musk buy Twitter, but Elon Musk is starting to fire people at Twitter. The partisan hacks are there trying to bring back genuine and authentic free speech. I want to talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends, over at Patriot Mobile, and if you are a uh, American that loves free speech, loves the Second Amendment, loves to protect the lives of the unborn, you can actually now do it with every single phone call. If you're with Patriot Mobile, they take a portion of your bill every month. They give it back to conservative causes that fight for our values. It is incredible the work that they're doing. And they save you money on your cell phone. That's right. They use the same towers that you're using right now. But with every phone call you make, you are standing up for the sanctity of life, the freedom of speech, the Second Amendment. And this is what they've been doing for years. So if you're ready to make a switch and you want to stand with a company that stands with your values, 
Check out Patriot Mobile. They have affordable plans for you, your family, and even your businesses. Go online, patriotmobile.com slash verdict. That's patriotmobile.com slash verdict. You'll get free activation with the offer code verdict. You can call them 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code verdict. Senator, the Elon Musk has come in and fired four top executives at Twitter including the CEO, the same CEO that brought in uh, with the, you know, the, 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 you know, the firing and the, or I should say the fact checking and the silencing and the closing down of accounts like the president of the United States of America at the time, Donald Trump, many other conservatives. He has now come in and said, I'm done with you guys. You're all fired. He didn't waste any time firing the company's top executives. I think this is a huge step for freedom of speech with big tech. So, Ben, without exaggeration, I think this is the single most important development for free speech in decades. Uh, As as you know, as we've talked about for a long time, I think big tech is the biggest threat to free speech. Big tech is also the biggest threat to free and fair elections. And big tech every year has been getting more and more brazen, more and more open about using their monopoly power to try to silence conservatives, to try to silence views they don't like, to try to silence even some modicum of sanity, to to try to silence someone saying there is such a thing as boys and girls. That's a view that they have decided is is hateful to their woke sensibilities, and so you're not allowed to say it. Uh, and, And as you noted, they've gone so far as to ban the president of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, from using their platform and speaking because they've determined they don't like what he has to say. They also ban all sorts of conservatives, places like the Babylon Bee, which I think does some of the best humor and satire. And and when Elon Musk walked into the headquarters, so the video he put out, it's actually quite bizarre. He walks in the front door of the Twitter headquarters carrying a porcelain sink. And, and, and I'll say, number one, the way he's walking, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the gif of, of, of Conor McGregor, uh, like, strutting down the hallway. I, yeah. I got to say, Elon had a strut very much like that, but he's carrying a big, heavy porcelain sink. And I was, like, you look at the, the image, you're kind of scratching your head, like he's going to throw the sink at him. Like, what what is that? And, and I guess what he tweeted out is, is you know, that, that he was there. He said, let that sink in. So it was kind of a giant pun, which was a little odd. But then he shows up and fires the CEO and fires the CFO and fires the chief legal and policy officer and fires the chief operating officer, all within minutes of walking in the door. That is so incredibly important. And, and listen, I am – Elon has stated that he wants Twitter – to be a town hall for democracy where people can express their views and and if their views are wrong other people can disagree and you can actually have free speech and and the remedy for bad speech is more speech not censorship i assume it is going to take some time to turn the ship of twitter but i got to say firing the top executives certainly gets the attention of every employee at that company, and I hope sends a real signal that, that, that Twitter is out of the business of censorship. He's obviously going to have to bring in new people who are committed to making Twitter an oasis of free speech, and, and that I'm really hopeful that happens. I'm glad that it happened before Election Day. I think that 
we've seen big tech is particularly egregious when elections are approaching. Both Twitter and Facebook were shameless in censoring and silencing the Hunter Biden story, which was true and unequivocal, the Hunter Biden laptop. And yet they shut down the New York Post for daring to report on stories that are unfavorable to Joe Biden before an election. This is a big deal. Let, let me let me pull back the curtain a little bit. This is one of the, the most fun things about being on the bus tour with you and last night at dinner. And this is one of those questions that we probably would have uh, would have been uh, said to the table. And I'm going to ask it to you because I think this is one of those moments where if you were sitting with Elon Musk and he just fired these people, you've dealt with Twitter from a from the standpoint of being in Congress. You've you've seen how harmful the attacks on conservatives and silencing of viewpoints has been on the country what advice would you give him would you say hey go into your company and 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 let people know about algorithm changes and shadow banning and the policies that they had internally towards conservatives would you open the books in essence and say show everybody what you just inherited so they know how bad it was Absolutely. I think that's one of the most important things he can do is institute transparency. And so I've been hammering big tech for years, trying to get them to answer simple questions like questions. I've asked Twitter. I've asked Facebook. I've asked Google. I've asked YouTube Um, in the 2016 elections. How many posts from Republican candidates for office did you suppress or throttle? How many posts from Democrat candidates for office? In 2018, same questions. In 2020, same questions. In 2022, same questions. Consistently, big tech refuses to answer that question. They give answers that are essentially go jump in a lake. During the all four years of the Trump administration, I tried to get DOJ to use subpoenas to get answers to those questions. Unfortunately, the Department of Justice couldn't get that done. They they, they were not able to executed effectively they should have i think one of the first steps elon should do is is hire someone credible to engage in a careful audit and commit to make the results of that audit public and and it's not just blocking because blocking is one thing but but shadow banning is is even more insidious because it's invisible so it's one thing, Ben, if, if, if you put out a post and they just say, OK, Ben, you're off Twitter. We've decided we don't like what Ben Ferguson says. You're silenced. That's a little cloddish and obvious. The, the second level that is, is more pernicious is if they just say, OK, Ben, your tweets, we're going to allow one one thousandth of your followers to see any given tweet. And you have no idea if that's the case. I have no idea if that's the case. I think answering those questions, providing thorough transparency. And look, a good place for Elon to start is I've submitted written questions. In fact, when Mark Zuckerberg testified before the Senate, I submitted, I think, 636 questions to Facebook for them to answer. Unfortunately, they had lawyers write answers that were just go jump in a lake. And and we did not have the legal force of a subpoena to hold them to account for refusing to answer Elon should answer those questions, and that will have an impact not just on Twitter, but it'll have an impact on Facebook, an impact on Google, an impact on YouTube. This is a big deal for the whole world of big tech, not just Twitter, because 
the more Elon provides transparency, the more pressure there will be on the other players to do the same. I want to also be clear because there's so many people that are going to misconstrue when we say we want there to be basically transparency. We're not asking for Elon or expecting for Elon Musk. I think you would agree with me to come in and and all of a sudden silence liberals. We're just asking for genuine, authentic free speech to happen for everyone. Absolutely, yes. You know, a couple of years ago, I met with the CEO of YouTube who came by my office. And at the time, YouTube was was engaged in battle with Steven Crowder, a friend of yours, friend of mine who has a great show. I've been on his show a bunch of times. Um, and, and Crowder had, was having a battle with a left-wing journalist, and they were, look, Crowder's a comedian, so he was it, tossing some crass insults at the journalist, and the journalist was insulting him back, and they were having a Twitter fight. Twitter made a determination to, quote, demonetize Stephen Crowder. And I'm sorry, not Twitter, YouTube. YouTube. And, and, the, and the YouTube CEO was in my office, and she explained to me, she said, well, We determined that Crowder did not do anything that violated our policies. Okay, that's a big deal. Okay, no no violation of policies, whatever those policies are and however arbitrary they are. But they said she said, We decided to demonetize him anyway. But she said, Look, you should be really happy because we didn't block him altogether. We allow him to put up his show, he's just not allowed to earn any revenue on it. And 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 I just started laughing at her as she sat on the couch in my office. I said Number one, you know, talk about an Orwellian word. We just demonetized him. I said, how would YouTube like it if someone just demonetized you? You just can't earn any revenue. That's just a simple thing. It's not like you actually need to earn revenue to have a business and run a business and pay employees. I mean, we're just magically disappear your money. And I said, let me be clear about something. And she said, look, People on the left were pushing us to block him altogether. And aren't you proud of us? We said no. And I said, listen, the pressure to silence is only coming from one direction. It's the Bernie Sanders. It's the Joe Bidens. It's the AOCs that are saying silence conservatives because we don't want anyone to hear what they say. I said, I'm not asking you to silence them. In fact, to be honest, I want as many people as possible to hear what they're saying because I think it makes no sense. I think it's idiotic, and the more people hear what they're saying, particularly if they can hear substance and facts in response, the more people will realize this. When it comes to censorship, it is a one-way ratchet. So absolutely, I do not want, and I don't believe Elon will, censor voices on the left. I think the marketplace of ideas is, is, is how we should resolve who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting, as you said, to see what happens with Twitter, how, the, how much they expose how business practices were really being done behind closed doors. And then that will clearly show us, I think, a lot about these other companies and how they were doing the exact same thing. I want to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. 
when a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to move to another issue uh, that I think now is a very important one, Senator. Your number, I want want everybody to know, what do you see with the Senate right now, uh, especially after the Fetterman debate uh, with Dr. Oz and, and you just left Georgia uh, and you did a rally for, in Georgia for Herschel Walker there. What do you think the Senate could look like if Republicans show up on Election Day? Well, I think the delta, the range for the Senate is anywhere between in a horrible cataclysmic out, uh, outcome, we could see as few as 48 Republicans in an incredible outcome, we could see as many as maybe 56 or 57 Republicans. And personally, what I believe is likely is 53 or 54. I think that is the most likely outcome. Um, I think the last 48 hours, those numbers have gone up. Number one, the Fetterman debate was the biggest train wreck of a debate, perhaps ever. All of us suspected that Fetterman still had significant, meaningful impairment. I don't think anyone was prepared for the level of impairment he demonstrated. Watching that was affirmatively painful. I got to say, I've seen a lot of political debates. I've never seen anyone start a debate by saying, good night. Like, that just is random. The, The answer Fetterman gave on fracking was you watch it and, and you actually want to like, like take him to a hospital bed and just have him lie down. And, and I think that debate significantly changed the calculus in that race and made it 
much more likely that Dr. Oz wins in November. Um, across the country today, I spent all day campaigning in Georgia with Herschel Walker. We did, we did rallies all over the state, huge rallies, packed rallies. The energy is fantastic. Walker, I think, is surging. I think Herschel is likely to win that race. And, and I think across the country, the majority, the momentum is with us. And so all of these races are getting more favorable for Republicans. And, and if that continues, our likely outcome is looking better and better. But that only happens if we make sure we show up. And, and one of the things that's encouraging early vote numbers right now, we're seeing Republicans show up in significant numbers. We're seeing that in Georgia. We're seeing that in Texas. We're seeing that elsewhere. That's a good sign. Democrats are demoralized, dispirited. You know, their their guys have mucked it all up, and so they're not excited about coming to vote. And Republicans are really pissed and, and are showing up to vote. We need to make sure we keep doing that. And if that happens, I think we will end up with a significant majority in both houses. You know, I think Fetterman in that debate the other night is going to actually have an impact possibly nationwide in other races. And the reason why I say that is I think there's so many people that witness that and they sit there and they go, if the Democratic Party will do this to a guy like Fetterman and just kind of prop him up because they're so desperate to keep a seat instead of actually take care of someone and say, look, you need, you know, you need medical attention. You need, you know, there's, there's so many things you can do with rehab and help for you to have a better, you know, life than what it is right now that we're witnessing on TV. I think there's a lot of people that think, wow, this party, in essence, is soulless. They will prop up anybody. Forget Joe Biden walking around, can't get off a stage. It's almost a form of abuse what they're doing to Fetterman and his campaign. I cannot believe that somebody that, that, that doesn't step in on his behalf, that cares about him, say, hey, stop taking advantage of him just so you guys can win a seat. Well, and, and as you noted, the connection with Joe Biden is significant because it's, it's reinforcing a message. People are seeing Joe Biden every day with serious diminished mental capacity, and they know that the Democrats are willing to lie about it, and they know that the media is willing to lie about it. And with Fetterman, you remember he did an interview uh, with an NBC host who was a junior reporter, and she commented afterwards how he really had trouble understanding what their conversation and and the, the big established names in mainstream journalism lost their mind and were denouncing this this young reporter for daring to report the actual facts of what she saw that he had trouble understanding her questions and he and he had trouble articulating an answer well everyone who watched the debate millions tens of millions of people saw that in the debate, and it, I, I think there's a really powerful realization some people are having that, wait a second, all of these media folks who told me he's just fine, they were lying to me. And every day, the media does more to damage their credibility because when you are a liar, day in and day out, and the lies always benefit the party you want to win, at some point, even people not paying that close of attention start to notice the pattern. Well, and now, and now you see the same media that was saying he's fine, now attacking conservatives, the GOP. Joe Behar on The View said this today about basically how dare you bring up his impairment. Listen. 
ads about showing Fetterman you know, st uh, stumbling on things because of the stroke. Mm -hmm. What kind of a doctor is behind that? Aren't you supposed to do no harm? It's so unempathetic to the guy, you know? And I just want to say that Oz is very slick. He's a TV guy. Yeah. Remember that. There's another woman in Arizona, Carrie Lake, also a TV woman. Mm -hmm. So they're very slick, you know. And Fetterman's kind of like, you know, with the stroke and without the stroke, he's not as slick. But he has ideas and he has governed. I, I, I've never heard a worse sales pitch, Senator, from somebody. I mean, not only is she criticizing people that do TV while she's on TV doing what she does, on TV, but she's literally saying that you're unpatriotic and you're unempathetic if you question a man's cognitive ability to do a job, which is a very serious job, uh, that is more than just pushing yes and no, no in the Senate. You know how complicated this job is. Well, it's not complicated what she's doing. She is engaging as a partisan hack. She wants the Democrat to win no matter what. And, and so it's funny watching their talking points shift because their talking points have now moved to, to saying, well, you're not allowed to point out that he is seriously cognitively dis disabled, that, that, that it's discrimination to say he's not able to do his job. You know, Fetterman's wife is out there attacking, you know, any, anyone who says this as this is this is ableism. Well, I would like our elected officials to be able like, like like there are it is actually a job requirement to be able to understand the issues before you uh to hear evidence to hear testimony to read complicated bills to assess public policy to assess national security to assess classified intel to to meet with constituents to understand their concerns to advocate on their behalf and if you can't engage in a simple conversation and know what the hell is going on, you are not able to do the job. It, it, you know, it's a little bit like saying someone who's paralyzed from the neck down, it's discrimination to say that we're that, that they're not going to play them in the NBA. Look, I, I, I'm sorry if 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 someone has limitations and 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 but it is eminently relevant to the job, and I'll, I'll say two other things. You and I talked about before how, how I said that I thought it was a mistake for the Oz campaign to focus as much as they did on, on Fetterman's serious mental impairment. And, and the reason I thought it was a mistake is it was potentially curable. In the debate, if he stood up and said three coherent sentences, it suddenly makes one of the major attacks disappear. And, and to some extent, that happened with Trump and Biden, where in the 2020 campaign, the Trump campaign made such an issue of Biden's diminished mental state that we got to the debates and, and Biden did put out three coherent sentences. And a lot of people said, oh, OK, he's fine. So I thought it was a strategic error to focus on that. That being said, I had no idea that putting out three coherent sentences was beyond something he was capable of doing. And, you know, it's an interesting conversation, the, the, the dinner we referenced that we had with, with uh, some great minds and, and, and a number of senior members of my political team. One of, one of them made the following point, said, political consultants rarely win a campaign. The candidate has to win a campaign. 
but a political consultant can lose a campaign. And there is a very good possibility that Fetterman's consultant, whoever's running the campaign, lost that campaign by allowing him to appear in that debate. It's, it's remarkable. Presumably, the campaign knows. They know he has this impairment, that he's not able to get out three coherent sentences. They put him up there anyway, and, and, and I think that is a, was a stunning mistake. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't announce the morning of the debate, oh, sorry, Fetterman has COVID. He's going to be conveniently quarantined for the next two weeks, but you can see him the day after Election Day. And, and we've talked previously on the pod about the Democrats' strategy of ducking debates. I think Fetterman's disastrous performance in this debate will accelerate in the next cycle. Democrat candidates saying, I'm not going to debate, debate because there's risk that it could be bad. And if I don't do any debates, the media will protect me and they'll be my messenger. Senator, I think this is exactly why there's so many voters out there right now that are looking at these midterms as an issue of just flat out trust. They don't trust the media. They don't trust the Democrats. They look at you in the face and tell you that the economy is in great shape when it's not. There's a montage of just some of the top lies that we've heard from this administration. And I want people to understand that if you go out there and you talk to your family and you talk to your friends, remind them that this Biden administration has been lying to you since day one. And these are just a few of the highlights of this administration. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Getting those shots out for five to 11 year olds is going to provide a lot of comfort to American families. Horses really running over people being strapped. A horrific video of the CBP officers on horse on horses using brutal and inappropriate measures against innocent people. We have a secure border. The border is in fact secure. The border is closed. The border is secure. The border is secure. The border is closed. We've been unequivocal in that. On the issue of Afghanistan. And to that end, we have seen a successful drawdown of the embassy. I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. This is all about keeping working folks and ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote. The reconciliation package would cost zero dollars. The cost of these bills in terms of adding to the deficit is zero. Some have expressed publicly that they're not comfortable with uh, 3.5, even though zero costs zero dollars. Zero. 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 This bill is fully paid for and will not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Let me say that again, be crystal clear. No one making less than $400,000 a year will pay a single additional penny in tax for all these things that were in the, in, in the Build Back Better plan. If you're a- you, you, you listen to these, and, and the scary part is, Senator, we have another two minutes of these lies that we put together. But those are just some of the big ones. This election, I truly think, comes down to the issue of who do you trust more to not lie to you? Who do you trust more to tell you the truth? You listen to those lies. We have a secure border. You know that's a lie. You've been talking about forever that this bill that, you know, and we didn't even get to the, the bill of the right. The, the we're going to make sure the economy is all great. Right. We're going to make sure that there's no more inflation bill that they just passed. And, and guess what? It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with all these green alternative energies energy ideas these are the lies they tell you and i think people are actually at the point now where they say enough 
Yeah, look, it, it has been so brazen, and, and, and there are more that could be included, including one of the most astonishing. They're like, it was Republicans that wanted to shut down schools, and it was Democrats that wanted to open up schools, which is like, at some level, you have to sit back and be like, all right, holy crap, that that that's some chutzpah. Like, like it just, you know, you know, it's like Stranger Things going into the upside down. I mean, I mean, they... You know, Corinne Jean-Pierre standing at the, the White House press podium and saying people are not just walking across the border. It's not happening. There is a level. You know, you actually have to ask, why is it that this administration feels so comfortable lying on a daily basis on things that are obviously lies, that are laughably, demonstrably lies, and it is directly connected to the corruption of the media. The, the two are intertwined. My new book this week, Justice Corrupted, how the left has weaponized the legal system. A lot of what it talks about, why was Obama and now Biden able to turn the Department of Justice and the FBI and the IRS and the CIA and the federal government into a weapon to target their political enemies? One of the big, big reasons is because they count on the corporate media to be their Praetorian Guard, to to not question them, to not report on it, to not acknowledge that it exists, to do what Newsweek did with their idiotic fact check on Antifa, to do what CNN and MSNBC do every day, which is ignore the lies, and even worse, sometimes report the lies as truth and be active participants in lying and the more that happens, the more people realize, okay, I get the game. You know, when, when, when Donald Trump first started referring to fake news, to a lot of people it was jarring. What's interesting is it's not jarring anymore, that, that it has been so conclusively demonstrated that I think millions of people are realizing these people are liars and they're in the business of aiding and abetting liars who are lying to us. And that means you got to find alternative ways to, to, to find the truth. And that's that's one of the values of something like this podcast. It is. Senator, I appreciate uh, you getting on the tour, you fighting for so many conservatives. You're out there. If people want to see where you're going to be, where you're going next, tcbustour.com, tcbustour.com. You can come. So many listeners, by the way, of, of this podcast have, have shown up on the road, and I know that's meant the world to you. So to all of you that have showed up, thank you. Thank you for listening and, and supporting the senator and all the candidates that he is supporting. Uh, stay in the game. Make sure you keep talking to your family and your friends. Where are you guys going next on the tour? Well, we're in Orlando right now. We've got uh, a rally tomorrow in Orlando with two congressional candidates, uh, Corey Mills and Scott, uh, Scotty Moore. Uh, and then we're headed to Michigan. We're headed to Utah. We're headed to Texas for the big blowout rally at the, at the end of the bus tour. And, and I got to say, we're seeing packed houses. You know, you, you were with us in, in Franklin, Tennessee last night. We had 13, 1,400 people come out uh, in a rally for Andy Ogles, who is a conservative running, is going to be elected, I believe, to the House and, and be a strong conservative leader. We're seeing that kind of enthusiasm. The rallies today for Herschel Walker huge crowds and there's an energy and enthusiasm that, that that i think is just growing every day 
It is, no doubt about it. Grab the new book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Weaponized Our Legal System. Don't forget, we're doing this podcast three days a week now, so hit that subscribe, auto-download button, and write a five-star review for the podcast. It helps us reach so many more people on the charts. Uh, Senator, be safe on the road. I'll see you in a few days, and then we'll see the audience back here in a couple days as well. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.